In the name of Jesus, the name that is above all names, my dear sisters and brothers in Christ, how are you doing? I probably ask that question about 50 times every Sunday. How are you doing? And what would you guess is the most common response that I get? Fine. It's a good guess. I think that probably used to be the most common answer, especially when someone didn't really want to expand on how things were going. It was kind of just a nice way to shut down the conversation. I'm fine. Maybe you would guess tired. That's a pretty good guess too. And I think that one probably comes in a close second. And that's because it is so closely related to the answer that I most commonly get from people today. How are you doing? Busy. So busy, Pastor. And for as nondescript and unoriginal as that answer is, here's the thing it is not. It's not a lie. You are busy. Oh, as much as you and I are all looking forward to and longing for that mythological day when everything will finally slow down, my goodness, the demands on your time, your attention, your energy, and your life only seem to increase with each passing year, am I right? But have you ever stopped and asked yourself, why? Why am I so busy? Well, that's easy, Pastor. All I'd have to do is show you my calendar. And all of those things on the calendar, those are just the doctor's appointments and the kids' events. That doesn't even address the fact that the 40-hour work week no longer exists. And if you want to do anything and accomplish anything and move anywhere in this world professionally, you've got to work a minimum of 12 to 14 hours a day. Or, or maybe you're retired. And, and you're, you're done with that rat race. And yet I've lost count of how many people have told me, Pastor, I'm more busy now that I'm retired than I ever was when I worked. Or do you know how hard it is to maintain relationships these days? I mean, long gone were the simple times when it just meant sending out a birthday card every now and then and placing a phone call once a month. No, now it's text messaging and social media interacting and FaceTiming and play dates and online dating and updating your profile, all of which you are expected to do 24-7 simply because you can. Oh, and... We're still trying to figure out how we are going to make this the best summer ever because in our stupidity, that's what we promised the kids it would be. It's a busy rundown, no doubt. And that probably doesn't even scratch your surface. But that isn't really what I asked. You see, I didn't ask what's keeping you so busy or what's making you so busy, I ask you, why? Why? 
are you so busy? And in order to find the answer to that question, I want you to take a walk with me this morning down to a place in the Shinar Plains where I'd like to introduce some rather busy people to you who are going to uncover for us the reason for all of our busyness. It's a, I can't even imagine to begin to think about just how much joy and excitement, how much enthusiasm and optimism there must have been buzzing around this community. To be part of something like that must have been unreal. These people came up with an innovation that would put Silicon Valley to shame. Things like this only happen a couple times in all of human history, and they were a part of one. You see, this people had progressed beyond the need to go up into the mountains and hew out rocks that they then had to carry back down into their villages and use to build their homes. They had advanced. No longer did they have to worry about their home turning into this big, muddy mess whenever a monsoon season rolled in. Because these people innovated. And did you hear what they did? They said, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. That was the innovation. They used bricks instead of stone and tar instead of mud. And for the first time ever, their homes were finally solid, sealed, and could withstand anything. Archaeologists are still finding buildings and structures that were built like this. Thousands and thousands of years they lasted. We like to brag about our modern day technology, but how long does your iPhone last? Before it slows down and wears down and needs to be replaced? Two, three years? Oh, you've only got about three, four, five, ten thousand years to go till it matches this innovation. In fact, in many ways, we're still building homes like this. And it all started there in the Shinar Plain. And this innovation was going to radically change and improve their lives. They said, we don't need to move anymore. We don't have the need to try and get ahead of the weather or find a place that, that we can put up something that is going to last longer than the last one. They had found it. They said, we can not just build little huts, we can build massive buildings, we can build towers that are so tall that they, well, we don't know how high we can build it, but let's try. And that's exactly what they did. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, and that was the plan. And nobody disagreed. No one thought that it was a crazy idea or that it was unattainable. These people had unmatched unity and vision and nothing was going to stop them. 
nothing that is, until the Lord came down. And all of the technology, and all of the innovation, and all of the progress and culture stopped. I think we need to take a moment this morning and just try and get our arms around that fact for a moment. That the Lord came down to destroy a community of progress and cooperation and advancement. We've got to mull over that for a moment. Because these people weren't killing each other. They weren't abusing one another or taking advantage of each other or stealing each other or hurting each other or oppressing each other. No, we hear plenty of examples of other people doing that just in the book of Genesis alone. This wasn't Sodom and Gomorrah. These people weren't sacrificing their children on the altars of idols. No, there's none of that here. You know what these people were doing? They were building together, innovating together, progressing together. They were probably on the fast track of creating the world's greatest economy. They were infinitely increasing the productivity of people. They had the kind of unemployment rate that politicians would drool over. And God came down and he ended it. He scattered it. And just like that, it was done. And we've got to grapple with that for a minute. That the Lord was willing to leave behind all of those wonderful things. Why? Because he alone could see and he alone knew what lay beneath the surface. That underneath all of the progress and innovation, there was a rotting sickness that the Lord could no longer just let continue. And do you know what that sickness was? It was a gaping spiritual emptiness. So massive that it dwarfed even the tower they were building. This is what people said in their own words. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Why? Why set out on this busy endeavor? Why? There's the question. There's our question. Why are these people so busy? Why are we so busy? They tell us. So that we may make a name for ourselves. And has there ever been a better description of people and culture. Has there ever been a better phrase to describe us? You know, searching for quotes this week to support the theory I just laid before you was one of the most depressing things I've done in a long time. Because you know what you find when you start searching for things like this? 
you find out that the most powerful, the most successful, the most influential and recognizable people in the world are desperate. And do you know what they're desperate for? They're trying to find a name for themselves. And if they can't find a name, if they don't have a name, then what does it say about people like us? Who no one knows. And no one recognizes. This quote jumped out to me, though. It's from legendary icon Madonna. In an interview that she did for Vogue magazine a number of years ago, this is what she said. My drive in life comes from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that isn't just something that is befitting arguably the world's greatest pop star. That is a quote that could have been said by every mother, every grandparent, every husband, every student athlete, every Twitter user, dog walker, and pastor who has ever walked the face of the earth. We are all just trying to escape that feeling of anonymity and insignificance and namelessness. We'll do anything to have value just to know that someone, anyone, recognizes us. Look at all the towers being built out there in the world. There are professional towers and parenting towers and popularity towers. These towers are the things that people are willing to suffer for and sacrifice for and strive for all because they want a name. So that they can say to themselves, about themselves, this family would fall apart without me. You know, this company, it wouldn't exist without me. People even come to church for that. Did you know that? People come to church and they struggle. They struggle because they don't understand why more people don't fall over them here when they walk through the doors. They don't understand why they don't see all of the gifts and all of the talent and all of the wealth that they're able to share with their congregation and yet they're asked of so little. We all want a name. We all do. Can you see that in this text? That, that this is not just a problem that existed with those people a long time ago located only in the Shinar Plain. This is part of the human condition. We all have this deep-seated feeling that somehow, someway, we need to make a name for ourselves. And yet, isn't it ironic That the taller the tower grew, the closer it got to reaching the heavens, the farther away from God they became. So do you know what the Lord does? The Lord comes down and He makes sure that that tower never gets finished. 
He doesn't let us. So that we stop searching to make a name for ourselves. So that we stop thinking, if I could just finish this tower, then I'd finally be immortal. Maybe this is the building project that finally will achieve my legacy. Maybe this is the industry. If I can just find a way to turn it upside down, then I will be noticed. No, the Lord God loves you too much to let you go through this life carrying that kind of burden. He cannot leave you in despair like Madonna. This is what she would go on to say. She said, I push past one spell of mediocrity and discover that I am a special human being. But then I feel I'm still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended. And she goes on to say, I guess it never will. And I'm guessing that people like you already know that. Because I suspect that you've been busy with your own Babel lately. What is your unfinished tower? Did you have a grand vision for your life and then it all just kind of blew up in your face? Were you pursuing a relationship that you had convinced yourself if you could finally be with this person, then this is someone who would finally give you a purpose, somebody who would finally give you a name only to have that relationship end? Did you have kids because you thought that they would make you someone? And then you got old and they grew up and now all you're doing is staring at an empty nest with an empty heart. Is your once promising career going more sideways than ascending? Are you retired and instead of enjoying the fun and free life that you had been anticipating, are you wrestling with the fact that more times than not you sort of feel irrelevant? Friends, if you're here this morning with a half-built tower searching for a name, I want you to listen to these words again. The Lord came down. Not to stop your towers so that he could take your name from you. He came down to stop your endless search. To stop you from looking up at your unfinished tower and instead look to Him. And when you do, do you know what you will find? That the reason He came down was to give you a name. A lasting name. An immortal name. You know, if you'd open up your Bible you would see there in Genesis chapter 11 that our text this morning is just the first half 
of Genesis 11. And in that first half of Genesis 11, we see people who are clamoring to find for themselves a name, and they're doing it in all the wrong ways. But if you look at the second half of Genesis chapter 11, it is just a big, long list. And do you know what it is a list of? Strangely, names. It's just a long list of names. And do you know what name is at the top of that list? Name. The Bible calls him Shem. One of Noah's sons. But that's what the name Shem means in Hebrew. It means name. And all of the names that followed, think about this. These names, these people are people who all got such eternal, long-lasting, significant names that they were written and recorded on the pages of Holy Scripture. How's that for a legacy? How's that for getting a name? How's that for being noticed? And do you know how all of those people got their names? It wasn't because of innovation. It wasn't because of their progress. It wasn't because they were busy. It wasn't because of their accomplishment or achievement or relationships or success. All of them got their names because they were connected to name. Because they were connected and descended from Shem. And do you know why Shem was named Name? Because he was the ultimate father of the name. The name that is above all names. Shem was an ancestor of Jesus. If that isn't getting a name, I don't know what is. And Jesus was the Lord who came down. When the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, not to take away your name, but to give you a name. Think about it. Jesus was willing to leave all of the innovation and all of the technology and the, and the really, really low unemployment rates of the heavenly city why? He came down to show you how noticed you are. To show you how significant you are. To show you how loved you are. Jesus came down to give you a name. Loved one. Noticed one. Redeemed one. Significant one. Saved one. That's how you get a name from God. And He calls you a Christian, which means that your name and your reputation is all wrapped up as one who is saved by Jesus Christ. Do you get that? That while you are so focused on building the towers of your life, Jesus came down and made you the shining tower of His life. That you are the one He spent for 
and sacrificed for and lived for and strived for that you are the one that Jesus came to name. What status could top that? What career can make you more significant than that? No amount of zeros in your bank account could make you more valuable than that. And friends, that is Pentecost. Pentecost is the ultimate undoing of Babel. Not just because people could now communicate across different languages. No, it was the Spirit of God coming down. And is the same Spirit who still comes to you and to me today. To meet you on your own shine our plane. As you are looking up at your half-built towers, Pentecost is the Holy Spirit coming down to convince you to forget about the tower. To not look at it and use it to, to give you a status or to give you a name, but rather to convince you that you already have one. That you are divinely loved. That you matter so much that God was willing to give up His one and only Son just to get you. I mean, what do you think the Spirit is doing here every Sunday after Sunday when He preaches the Gospel to you? What do you think the Spirit was doing when He drenched you in, well, what? When He drenched you in Jesus' name. He put His name all over you. And He does this so that He can take you from the Shinar plane of your life up to the heights of faith, so that in your heart and with your mouth you can say, I am so valuable, so significant, so loved by God that the Lord Jesus Christ Himself lived and died for me. So that in Christ you can say every waking moment of your life with all of the confidence of a Jesus who died and was raised again, my goodness, I must be somebody. Friends, that's Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes down to convince you of that. That you are the building project of the Spirit of God. And that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you know what that means for your busy life? No, it won't empty your calendar. At least I hope it doesn't. It doesn't mean you stop building or working or innovating or progressing. You keep doing all of those things. But you don't do them in order to deal with some fear of mediocrity because you know that in Jesus you're not. You don't do them to finally get noticed because in Christ you are. You don't do those things to make a name for yourself because in Jesus, you already have one. The best one there is. So you go out into your life and you build and you work and you innovate and you progress and you live and you love and you serve because you can. Free from all fear of anonymity and worry of being unnoticed because Jesus knows you. 
because Jesus notices you. Because you have a name. An eternally significant name. He's written all over your life. Thanks be to God. Amen.